The quality of our lives depends on the quality of our relationships. But what is it that determines the strength or quality of our relationships? For over 20 years, I've been working in the trenches of relationship recovery and greatness. I empower people to take charge of their relationships and single-handedly bring about desired outcomes. This show cuts through the fluffy stuff and gets to the nitty-gritty of what makes a relationship work. I'm going to teach you practical tools and principles to transform the important relationships in your life and bring about greater satisfaction and fulfillment. Get ready to transform your life through the power of relationship skills. It's time for The Emil Show. Here's the question. How am I supposed to bring something up if I'm bugged, frustrated, disappointed without it turning into a fight? Because normally when I bring something up, it turns into an argument. Well, the answer to that question is we have to do it strategically. Of course, right? Well, let's look at the dynamics of why people get defensive when you bring up a complaint. Most people want to be seen as put together, nice, kind, and they want to be seen with the lens of good intentions. And so when someone complains, they're only focusing on the behaviors that have disappointed, bothered, miffed, or bugged the specific person. And they ignore the good intentions or the positive elements to the other person's character or, or, or behavior. And there's this didactic phenomenon. The didactic phenomenon is that if you choose part A, then the other person chooses part B. They respond. And so if you become aggressive or complain, bring something up like their fault, then they do B by pointing out how it's not fair to bring up that criticism, which is the exact opposite of what we want to have happen when we bring something up. So we have to understand that there's this law of this didactic phenomenon in relationships. If I bring up something, a point of view or perspective, there's a natural impulse for the other person to point out the other point of view or perspective. This happens all the time, and it's subconscious. It's just impulsive. For example, imagine if you're talking to a friend or your partner, and you're sharing a frustration about a situation that happened at work or with a friend. And here you are sharing your frustration, disappointment, hurt, myth, or bug, unless they're your really close girlfriend, okay? Uh, the natural thing for the other person to do is point out that maybe there's a different point of view or perspective. And so let's say I'm talking to my wife about some frustration that she has with something that's going on at work or in her social life. The impulse is for me to respond by saying, well, maybe that's not what they meant. Maybe, maybe there's a different way of looking at it. And so that is just, and I think almost everybody can relate, whether they like to or not, that that happens. It's not strategic. This happens impulsively. So we have to understand that natural didactic phenomenon. So when we bring something up, we can strategically complain in a way that sabotages the didactic response, that choosing part B that happens impulsively. Let's say I'm going to share my frustrations and disappointment. Well, the traditional approach is called the I statement. 
and this has been around since the early 70s, where the whole approach, well, before this, the 1970s, there wasn't really a strategy on how to bring things up. There were principles, there were these philosophies, but no one actually came together with a formula for how to bring up an issue. And so the first idea was, well, I'm going to share, instead of blaming you, which creates conflict, I'm going to talk about my experience, the I statement. Well, the research on this, you know, this strategy of the I statement, even though it's being taught in schools, it's being used in uh, therapeutic wilderness programs, therapeutic schools all over the, the, the country, therapists use this I statement. The research is conclusive that it is not that helpful, okay? It's just a very nice way to criticize somebody. And so, using that didactic response phenomenon, okay, of how someone responds by defending themselves or pointing out a different point of your perspective, we need to take that into consideration when we bring up an issue. Now, I have no problem with the I statement as an ingredient, and I'll explain to you why. But that is not the end of the complaint. So let me give you an example of a I statement that has been modified over the years, but I think is pretty familiar. It's the I feel when you because. I feel blank when you blank because blank, whatever, right? Well, that's just a really nice way of still putting the responsibility on the other person for their behavior and how that impacted me. So that still will create a defensive response because as much as I'd like to say that theoretically I'm talking about my experience, I'm left with it being about their behavior and what they did that was offensive or hurtful or disappointing. So what I need to do is I need to sabotage or hijack part B, their response. Now, I can't do that in a manipulative way. That would be deceitful and dishonest and irresponsible and disrespectful. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to put myself in their shoes. When I put myself in their shoes, that is how I hijack their defensiveness. Because if I hijack their defensiveness, then I've sabotaged the didactic response phenomenon. It boils down to four steps of complaining. And if you've got something to write down on, write these four steps down and practice them. Instead of saying the I feel when you because thing, which reminds me that there's been an add-on to this. The I feel when you because, and then there's a request. I feel when you because, and I'd really like it if you would and I hear it all the time. And I, would, I really hope that people, when they hear that there's another way of bringing up a complaint that strengthens the relationship, think about that, strengthens the relationship, not just is a boundary protection strategy, the complaint I feel when you because, and I'd really appreciate it if you would, that does not create an interaction. Okay, that's like, a very nice order or directive because the request is laden with expectation. 
the request isn't an invitation, it's an expectation. And so when that request is not responded to or fulfilled or then what happens is that creates another disappointment. And that's not that's not a good healthy relationship interaction. So let me walk you through the four steps of complaining. The first step is I'm going to share my feelings and reasons. Number two, I'm going to use what I call a transition phrase. Number three, I'm going to share their feelings and reasons by putting myself in their shoes. I'm going to really see it from their point of view. And then number four, I'm going to check in. I'm going to confirm and get feedback about how close I am to understanding them. So number one, I share my feelings and stories. Okay, Why do I feel the way I feel? Number two, I use a transition statement by putting myself in their shoes. Something like, but if I see it from your point of view, or if I take a step back, or if I try to see it through your eyes. And the number three is, I really put myself in their shoes. How do they see this? What are their feelings about the very thing that I'm complaining about? What is their defense? And then number four, I check in. Am I close? What am I missing? All right, the first one, the number one, the first step, the sharing of your feelings and the reasons, we only have about, I don't know, like seven seconds, okay? Now it depends on the person, the situation, because as soon as they recognize, even subconsciously, that there is a message that's exposing any of their weaknesses or flaws, their natural impulse to defend themselves, that didactic reactive phenomenon, will kick in. And so before they even have a chance to think about what they're doing, they're going to defend themselves or explain themselves or point out how that criticism isn't fair or reasonable. So we don't have a lot of time to do step number one, nor should we take the time. If we're complaining to cathartically release our frustrations and disappointments, that's the best we're going to get because we're not going to get validation, support, or understanding from the other, point, the other person. It's really important if we want understanding and connection with our, the person we're talking to, we only have about seven seconds if we're having a conversation. So I got to make it snappy and sweet. You don't need to dive into the details and the complexities of the offense that made you frustrated, hurt, disappointed. In number one, along with being short and sweet, we need to use words that are vulnerable in nature. So think of the vulnerable emotional vocabulary. I feel embarrassed, hurt, insecure, disappointed, small, insignificant, useless unimportant. So we're using words that elicit the impulse of empathy. If I use words like angry, upset, frustrated, mad, that creates a sense of fear in the other person. And if they feel threatened, then what's going to happen? That impulsive reaction is going to be the fight or flight response. Now we add the fight or flight response to the natural didactic reactionary phenomenon, we're going to get less understanding, less desire to connect. Okay, they're going to defend themselves. We're going to use words that are more emotional and vulnerable. 
not intense and, you know, angry and loud. So that's number one. Number two, we do the transition statement. The transition statement is super easy and it's really, really important. If we skip this, it can confuse the person, making them think like we're kind of like uh, luring them into something very dangerous. So the transition statement is, but if I put myself in your shoes, or if I take a step back and look at it from a different point of view, okay, that's the statement. It's just a one line thing. It's the pivot point from my feelings and reasons to empathically understanding their feelings and reasons. I'm now going to employ another tool called assuming good intent. And uh, if you want to learn more about assuming good intent, you can read my book, you can go to my uh, some, uh, maybe another video that talks about assuming good intent. But assuming good intent, real quick, is creating a story that's legit and believable that explains their behavior in a way that answers these three questions. They want to feel good, they want me to feel good, and they're doing the best they can. So I'm going to employ that tool in trying to put myself in their shoes. That's one of the strategies I'm going to use. And that's number three, where I put myself in their shoes. Okay, I'm really trying to see it from their point of view. And one of the ways I can do that to make it a little bit easier is I try to imagine what they would say if they were to defend themselves. If they were to, to explain themselves in a way that minimized their guilt or, you know, try to justify their behavior, or even point out how my criticism is unfair, that's a hint, that's a clue that you can use to help kind of harvest those ideas that they would be using so you can articulate those, those things. Another way, another hint to help you with um, really doing a good job with that third step of putting yourself in their shoes is imagine if the roles were reversed. We've all slipped up, tripped up, uh, made some mistakes, were insensitive, forgot something. And so maybe we've done something where the other person's been offended or disappointed. How would we explain it? How would we defend ourselves so that we didn't feel the direct hit of our failure? So those are some clues, some guides to help you create a really compelling, convincing third step of complaining. Because in the third step, that's where we are hijacking the natural defensive response. Okay, If we just attack them with the I statement and we took a long time, they're going to get in that fight or flight response. And now we add, add a layer to that. The other layer is, is if I only stick with my complaint and I don't try to put myself in their shoes, then they're going to feel the impulse, okay? It's, this is not a conscious or deliberate response. They have the impulse to defend themselves or choose part B. And so that's that didactic reaction response, that impulse to respond that way, which isn't where I want to go. I want them to empathize, understand, maybe even um, want to do something different about it. And then that brings me to the fourth step. The fourth step is super, super small. All I'm going to do is check in. Now, what I've just done in step three is tried to put myself in their shoes, and I could be wrong. I could be totally missing it. But as long as I'm doing the best I can to be honest and have some integrity with understanding their perspective or point of view, 
I don't have to be correct or, or right. And that's why I do step number four is I check in. Am I close? What am I missing? Now, you might want to see how this is all put together. I'm going to give you an example of something. Let's say I'm, going to t- I'm talking to my son who was supposed to clean out the boat and get it all ready for the next time we go boating. And it's been two days. He hasn't done it. I've talked to him twice about it. And I come home from work Tuesday and he still hasn't cleaned out the boat. So let's say I come home and I say, hey, son, I got to be honest with you. When I came home, I felt really hurt and frustrated. And I felt really disappointed and betrayed because when I came home and the boat wasn't cleaned up, it just didn't just seem like it mattered to you. That's number one. Now I do number two, the transition phrase. But if I put myself in your shoes, now I really try to put myself in their shoes for number three. You probably have every intention in getting the boat cleaned up, okay? But in the morning, it's just you're exhausted, you, you're sleeping in, and you're trying to get some rest because of the late night that you had. And so in the, in, during the day, it's just so hot, you don't want to go out there and bake in the sun in the boat. It's miserable. And so you plan on doing it later in the afternoon when it gets cooler. But by the time the afternoons come, you're probably in different activities and you're engaging in different things. Your friends are calling you up. And so it's really easy to be distracted from all this. And so by the time you're done with hanging out with your friends and it's dark, it's like the last thing you want to do is go out and try to clean the boat in the dark when the mosquitoes are out. And so even though you have every intention of following through and getting the boat cleaned up, you just get distracted and you end up inadvertently procrastinating it until it doesn't get done. Now I do number four. Is that right? Am I close? What am I missing? See, now my son, he doesn't have to get defensive. He might point out if I'm missing something, like let's say he says, well, I wanted to go out and do it, but mom needed me to do A, B, C, and D because the thing that mom wanted me to do was more urgent. Okay, now notice, if that's the case, I still delivered an extremely reasonable complaint without attacking him and making me look like an idiot because I'm, I'm assuming that I must be missing something. That's why I'm asking. And so now he gets to feel the discomfort and frustration and hurt that I'm sharing without it triggering a defensive response. And I've hijacked that didactic reactionary impulse. Then that complaint, when I ask, am I close, what am I missing? That begins a conversation where we can have greater understanding and then move toward some type of a resolution. Now, that's another couple of set of skills that we're not going to get into right now. Today's topic was how can I bring something up? How can I complain in a way that doesn't turn into a fight? I hope this helps. I encourage you to practice this, give it a shot, and then send me an email, emailharker at gmail.com, and let me know what happened with you. I can't wait to hear from you. If you would like to learn more about communication strategies, how to bring things up, how to respond, how to resolve, how to maintain your composure in situations where the other person might be hostile or unfair or unreasonable, get a copy of my free book. You can turn conflict into closeness. Just uh, go to emailharker.com and look for the, the link to tell you how to get my free book. Also, 
if you're in a situation where you want to use these strategies and principles in the workplace, dealing with conflict, maybe it's a boss, a coworker, or someone that you're in charge of, and there seems to be all this tension, and you want to learn how to, to interact with greater power and influence, get my other brand new book, Confidence in Conflict. Just email me at email at emailharker.com and request a free copy of Confidence in Conflict. I look forward to hearing from you. If, you, if you've got any questions, if you'd like to, to ask me a question about relationships, let's do it. Let's create a podcast out of it.